This is One Oak Church. We exist to share the hope of Jesus. No matter who you are or where you're at in life, you are welcome. Our mission is simple, to bring people that are far from God close to Him. Tune in as Pastor Robbie Emery shares how we change the world by loving God and loving others. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Robbie Jr. It's a privilege to be with you. Uh, no, my name is, as already been mentioned, Mike O'Meyer to those of you who know me. And if you don't, that's still my name. Uh, by the way, my wife and I, we had a little argument this morning. How many of you as husbands and wives couples have ever argued? And so we were debating on who would make coffee. I usually have coffee, for some reason, Pastor Robbie, on Sunday morning. And because I just have it on Sunday morning, I'm juiced up, man. That caffeine's going through, through me from head to toe, spirit, soul, and body. And so my wife said, honey, I'm telling you, the Bible says that the husband, the man, is to make the coffee. It's in the Bible. I said, now, where's that verse? She said, there's a whole book about it. And she opened the Bible, and it said Hebrews. <laughs> I know that's kind of corny, but you can laugh if you want to. Uh, I am truly honored to be here today. And Robbie, I made this statement. When I first met you, or shortly thereafter, I said, Robbie, God has spoken to me and pressed upon my heart that you're going to reach thousands. And you are, Robbie, both through churches, plural, and also I know through the internet ministry, live streaming, you're already having over 1,000 people. I think when I was live streaming at Woodlawn, we had 100, 200 people here. You already have 1,000 people. I love Robbie and Danielle. And for those of you, and this is the first time, listen, you want to come back because you want to hear this man preach and teach, and I think you all got a taste of that today. In addition to that, Robbie's a tremendous leader, and there is something about not only being a preacher and a teacher, but Robbie, you have that it factor. It's the anointing, it's the unction of God to cast vision, to draw people to follow you as you follow Christ. And your wife, and I say this uh, in, in a unique way, she has a sweet voice about her. She has a sweet spirit. Her anointing is powerful, but it's very sweet. It's very soothing. It's very comforting, and God is moving. And then I want to say also that I and Linda and I are obviously thrilled to be a part of this wonderful Body of Christ congregation, but a big shout-out to those of you who load in and you load out. You are here hours before I'm here. And so, again, thank you very, very much. Well, today, uh, we're starting, as Pastor Robbie said, that this is us. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Can you say amen to that? And I'm sure all of you can tell by my accent that I'm from downriver. And so people say, where are you from? The accent's very unique. And I just simply say, I'm from downriver. And they say, where downriver? And I say, way downriver, like in the Arkansas River and the Mississippi River. My dad was in the Air Force, and I was born in Texas, lived in Arkansas, lived in Mississippi, lived in Plattsburgh, New York. I know you can hear that brogue, correct? And all over the country since then, as an Army chaplain, as uh, Robbie said, I've pastored for a lot of years, including 25 years here locally uh, in a wonderful congregation. So this morning, the title is Knowing God, There Is More. A professor of mine made a prolific statement, Dr. Robert Voigt. He said, we have a complete and perfect salvation in Jesus Christ. 
And then I like what uh, the theologian, Dale Moody, now not the evangelist of yesteryear, D.L. Moody, but the theologian of today, Dale Moody states that salvation, which is a part of knowing God, is three-dimensional. It's past, it's present, and it's future. Let me illustrate. I was saved, I am saved, I will be saved by God's grace. Now, I know I may not look it. I probably don't look a day over 48, 49 years of age, but I may have to pull out my glasses here. My wife tells me when I put them on, they're really, really sexy. So uh, I'll have to pray about putting those glasses on <laughs> if I need to. But I was saved. Hold your breath now. I know you're not going to believe it. On a Sunday at a holiness church in the deep south, way down river in 1972, my senior year in high school, praise God. Well, I am saved today as well. Uh, this is, I believe, March 4th, 2018, and I will be saved. You understand? So knowing God is past, present, and future. Knowing God, we often say salvation, but everything that you and I will ever experience is under the umbrella of salvation. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. I'm ready to preach, Pastor Robbie, and I promise I'll keep it under 59 minutes for the glory of God. <laughs> let, me, uh, let, let me drink to that. Relax, folks. I'm not going that long. I'm watching the clock. <laughs> In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and this is interesting. As I read this passage, let me give you a brief background. Uh, Peter, as you know, was one of the apostles and one of the three that were the closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And when 2 Peter was written, we believe it was about 67 A.D. And we, according to church history and tradition, we believe he was martyred, crucified upside down a year later in 67 A.D., he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified as my Lord. I need to be inverted upside down. What a transformation this man had. He denied Jesus three times before the, before the rooster crowed before a young girl. And yet after he was saved and the infilling of the Spirit, he was able to preach and thousands came to Jesus Christ. I still believe divine power changes our lives today. Do you believe that? From the uttermost to the guttermost, the up and out and the in and out, God can take you whether you're in the doghouse or the penthouse. He can take you to his kingdom, and he can transform you. Simon Peter, and the name Simon means heard, he listened. Simon Peter comes from a Greek word that means stone. And in John chapter 6, Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, Moses, one of the prophets, and Jesus looked right at Jesus, or, or, or Jesus looked right at Peter and said, but whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou, King James, thou art the Christ, English today, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And upon this rock... 
I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates are stationary. They're not moving. They're not going anywhere. But what it means when you and I have the revelation, and we come to know God, and we're able to say, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Whatever those gates are that want to hold you back in your marriage, in your business, in your health, in your finances, in your walk, you press right through them by the power of God. Simon Peter, a bondservant. A bondservant means one who serves out of love. God wants us to worship him and serve him, not because we have to, but because we want to. I'm sure you came to church today because you wanted to. Of Jesus Christ. By the way, I often say I'm a follower of Jesus the Christ. And people will say, what do you mean? Jesus the Christ. Well, Jesus is his name, and it comes from the Old Testament word Joshua. The transliteration from Hebrew to Greek to English is Joshua, Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. Yeshua is his name. Jesus is his name. It means salvation. So when you say the name Jesus, Yeshua, you're saying he's our Savior, he's our Deliverer, he's the captain of our salvation. And then Jesus Christ, Christ means Christos. He's the anointed one to what? Bring salvation, to bring deliverance. To those who have obtained the precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is called an epistle. An epistle is not a miniature pistol. An epistle is a word for a letter. This was written to the early church, but it's also written to us today, to you and me. So I want you to personalize this. Grace, notice this, grace and peace. Grace is the Greek for what? Some of you have heard this. It's old news, but for some it's news. It's brand new. Grace, here's a great definition of it. God's, the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. You have that? God's riches at Christ's expense. God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favoritism. So grace, and then, and then there's grace and peace. That's Hebrew. And peace is the word shalom. Have you noticed Jewish people will often greet one another and have a farewell with shalom. And what does shalom mean? Shalom means all that is well all that is beneficial, all that is in place, everything functioning, nothing broken, everything working and flowing together. Grace and peace. And I know that's Pastor Robbie's prayer. That's my prayer for each of you today. Grace to you. Peace upon you today. How? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And the word knowledge, again, we hear that so much. 16 times it's used in this short letter. Knowledge means more than cognitive data. data. It's more than intellectual acquiescence. It's more than memorizing and storing facts. Knowledge is relational and experiential knowledge. See, that means I don't just know about Jesus, and I don't just know of Jesus, but oh, I know him in a personal way. I took a tour of Israel years ago, and I was amazed at this man 
who was our guide, and he quoted large passages of Scripture, Old and New Testament, as we would go to the various historical sites of Jesus, his miracles, and his narratives recorded in Scripture. And I said to him, wow, you must be a really strong believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And he said, no, sir, I'm not. I, I do not believe in Jesus as you do, but I respect who he was and his teachings, but I'm not a follower. So see, there's a difference. This is talking about the knowledge that is not living from the head down, but from the heart up. And there's a big difference, folks. You see, if you keep your heart warm, God will keep your head straight. TJ, I know you have a great thirst for education, but with all your learning, keep your burning. And as one professor said to me, Mike, you keep your heart warm and God will keep your head straight. And the more you learn, you realize how little you know. Billy Graham, a great statesman who just recently died, he he said that the longer I live and the more I walk with God, I realize how little I know. So don't be discombobulated, don't be frustrated, and don't be down if there's passages and aspects of the scriptures you don't understand. Obey and walk in what, what you know, and God will keep the revelation coming to you. Okay, let me move on here. I'm, um, <clears throat> as his, notice this, verse, verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things. Whose power is it? Is it my power? Is it Robbie's power and he's a powerful man? Is it One Oak's power? Is it U of M's power? Michigan State's power? No. Is it Royal Tide Bama's power? No. It's divine power. It's God's power. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life. That's the pragmatic living of life day in, day out. And godliness, the deep spiritual things through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. The word glory there is the fullness of who he is. Virtue is also his goodness. It is the goodness of God that brings men and women to knowing God. If you have a spouse, a child, a relative, an in-law, an outlaw, a neighbor, and you want them to come to know Jesus Christ, don't hate on them. Don't preach to them. Don't correct them and be scathing and rebuking. That turns people off. Love them. Love them. I heard a wonderful story of a person who came out of deep, dark sin. And here's what she said. She said, my life was changed when I met a group of Christians, and they loved me more than I loved my sin. They loved me more than I loved the darkness. And because of their love, I saw the light. Remember that when you love people with the agape love of Jesus Christ, they see the light through your love that you show to them. In verse 4, by which we have been given, by which has been given unto us exceedingly great. Hey, by the word, by the way, that exceedingly great means mega. Megatron, mega church, mega appetite, mega Mac. Mega, exceedingly great and precious. Precious means you cannot put a price tag. It's beyond value. It's more than all the silver and the gold and the treasures and riches in the world. Exceedingly great and precious promises. How? 
that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust or through evil desires. All right, I'm watching my time here, and here we go. Do you believe I can get through these, uh, other, these, these three takeaway points that I want to give to you very, very quick? Number one is that we need to, and, and Audrey, as you can see, I may skip some verses. <laughs> Number one is I need to know his promises. Say that with me, would you please? I need to know his promises promises. See, God is not a man that he should lie. Actually, that is in Numbers 23, I believe. 20, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. He speaks, and does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The answer is God, God always keeps his word. I don't know about each of you, but I have broken promises. Anyone here, you've broken a promise? Okay, anyone here and you've been hurt because someone broke a promise to you? All of us have. But I'm so glad for that tall, lean Galilean who strides across the horizons of eternity, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I feel the preach coming on me, but let me just bring it on down. Amen. Bring it on down there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, why do I need to know his promises? Because, as I've just said, they are exceeding and great. Exceedingly great, mega, and they are precious. Mm. Read the Bible. If you have the one-year Bible, read it. it. It takes you through a passage of Scripture every day for 365 days. Or a Bible that Linda and I love to read is the, the, the narrative Bible or the chronological Bible. How many of you have that? It takes you through reading the Bible in the order that Scripture was written in. And what I love about Pastor Robbie and Danielle and One Oak Church, if you do not have a B-I-B-L-E, a Bible, they will provide you for one. Is that correct, Robbie? I mean, after the service, and all you have to do is give me $59.95 plus shipping and handling, and we'll make sure that you get that. No, it's free. It's absolutely free of charge. But we, we read the Bible not to conquer it, but rather to be transformed by it. And as the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. How many of you love carbs? I absolutely love carbs. I have yet been able to cast out that carb demon. You know, you heard about the person and they had the spirit of gluttony and they came up to the altar and uh, the, the person said, I won't be delivered from the spirit of gluttony. Believe me, I love to eat. So uh, I've had to deal with that. And, uh, the, 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 the pastor said, I, I, I command you in the name of the Lord, come out, come out of him right now. And this little wimpy voice said, give me another cookie and I will. <laughs> That's a deep theological truth there. <laughs> we learned about just another cookie. So I, I need to know his promises. And here's what I have found in life. 
whatever you're going through, God has a scripture for it. Find that scripture, tie a knot at the end of it, tie a knot and the, and the rope and hang on, and hang on. For example, if you're dealing with fear, and these will not be on the screen, but I'll try to quote them slower. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. As the Bible says, if God, if God be for us, who can be against us? Well, I'm facing a situation, and I just don't believe I can do it. It seems overwhelming, daunting, beyond my capability and the matrix of what I've, I can do. It's, it's beyond me. I can claim Philippians 4.13, and this was written by a man who was in prison, maximum security. We are talking about a prison that was underneath the city of Rome where raw sewage and human waste would flow a few feet away 24 hours a day. And Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can, you can take that to the bank and cash it every single day, electronic transfer from heaven to earth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or you, you have a need. What's the promise to you? Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, I have been young, now I am old, yet never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. You're weak. You're weary. You don't know if you can take another step or another breath. You're, you're overwhelmed. What can you do? Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they that wait, you know what the word wait means? It means the hope. It means the trust. But they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall, they, they shall, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. Glory to God. Isn't God, isn't his word good? It's good every single day. You're sick in your body. 1 Peter 2.24. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our diseases. And with his stripes, we are healed. Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I know I'm hitting you with a shotgun today. The pellets are going everywhere. Well, let me break it down. My wife, she'll be here in the second service. She said, you're a little too much to listen to two sermons in a row. <laughs> and I've heard this sermon all week. So I'll be there at the 11 o'clock service. So thank you, honey. Just brew that coffee for me. <laughs> and uh, my wife is a survivor of cancer, not once, not twice, but three times. And, uh, and by, by the glory of God, and... She's going strong, and just recently, we went to University of Michigan uh, Oncology Clinic, and they have a fantastic hospital and the highest level of being able to diagnose and treat cancers. And my wife, about seven years ago, was diagnosed with late stage four lymphoma. They did not give her much of a chance of living, but I remember the psalmist said, I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And God had given me a word some years ago for my wife. And I'm very careful to say that because people flippantly throw that out. You know, God spoke to me and God gave me a word. And he does speak and he does give us a word. But many years ago... God gave me a powerful word in a Sunday morning service, and I spoke it to Linda, and it was when she was initially diagnosed. And this brings me really to my second point, that we need to not only know, but we need to understand the promises of God. We, we, need, we need to understand the promises of God, because they're both unconditional, which means I don't care where you are, what sins you've committed, how far you are from God, his promises are unconditional, still offered to you because he loves you. Draw near to God, he will draw near unto you. Come to me, I will come to you. God's waiting, his arms are wide open for you. They're unconditional, but yet they're also conditional. Again, there are certain conditions. If I'm walking in right relationship, I can receive more from him. I can receive the full blessing. See, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's Psalm 1. So there's, they're unconditional, but yet they're conditional. And, but they're in God's timing. God's promises happen in God's timing. So the word I had for my wife was it, this. I said, Linda, God's speaking to me. Here's his word. And we'll quote what I said. For I know your heart that you want more of me. Therefore, I'm going to heal you in this life on this side of eternity. But the timing, the means, and the method are not for you to know but only trust, obey, and rest in me. And that word has come true. And that word actually was about 28 years ago. And that sustained my wife over the first, the second, and the third diagnosis. Now, here's the good news. So I told you my wife about six, seven years ago, late stage four. Well, Pastor Robbie, we just returned from U of M about a week and a half ago, and they did uh, her fifth year checkup, her MRI, her blood test, totally cancer-free. Hallelujah, cancer-free to the glory of God. Makes me want to shout and give God the glory. Hallelujah. You know that old song, makes me want to shout. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so the doctor said, Linda, you're in the survivor's group. I don't even need to see you anymore. You're good to go. Go live your life. Glory to God. And I know some of you are thinking, what about my loved one? They died. There are mysteries I don't, I don't suppose to understand all of them. But what I do know for a believer, and here's the promise, that whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And so when we know the Lord, death is not the end, it's just the beginning. 
It's not another mere experience in life is the main event. And we're not ready to live until we're ready to die. But when we know the Lord, we're all good to go. So are you, are you tracking with me right now? We need to know his promises because you see they're exceeding, they're great. We need to understand them because they allow us to be partakers of his divine nature. And then number three, we need to not only know and understand, but we need to pursue his promises because they help us to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. And let's face it, the biggest thing we often have to overcome is self. Self-doubt, narcissism. One of the most selfish, stubborn people I've ever met is me. Have any of you ever met that person? Have you ever looked in the mirror and you heard that voice that said, it's not the preacher, it's not the teacher, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. That's why the Bible says, having these precious promises, dearly beloved, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Pursuing the promises of God. David wrote this in Psalm 119, 140. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. What did they say about David? He was a man after God's own heart. David really indirectly committed murder. He committed adultery. But yet he was a man after God's own heart. I was so blessed. How many of you had the opportunity to watch Billy Graham's live streaming funeral service the other day? I know a lot of you were working, but one of his daughters, or her name is Ruth, named after her mother, Ruth Graham Bell, told, told the story of how she, this is Billy Graham's daughter, had been married 21 years and it fell apart and she came unraveled. And then she met a man, only knew him five weeks or so, and decided she would marry him uh, against the caution of her children that were almost adults. Her mother called her from Seattle, Washington. Reverend Graham called her from Tokyo, Japan, saying, just wait, wait, just Ruth, wait. But she went ahead and married the man. Shortly after that, she realized she had made a horrible mistake, and then it turned to fear, and she had to leave for her own safety and welfare, and it ended in a second divorce, and she thought, what am I going to do? Because she said, you never, as a daughter, want to disappoint your dad, especially if your father is Reverend Billy Graham. And she was on her way to go back to her parents' home there in North Carolina. And they live on the side of a mountain. And as she was in that car, winding her way, winding her way, what's my daddy going to do? Will he hate me? Will he be embarrassed and disgusted with me? And she says she got out of the car. Her daddy had his arms open and said, welcome home. Welcome home. The promises of God, we need to know them, understand them, and pursue them because they reveal the character and the heart of God. In Psalm 119, 148, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Pursue. As Robbie mentioned, uh, I've had the privilege, and I still do, of being a chaplain 
with the Michigan State Police and primarily in Wayne County in the city of Detroit. And because we're official members of the department, we're able to be there on pursuits, uh, whatever that scenario is. One night some years ago, we got into a chase. It was actually a Sunday night going into a Monday morning. And I mean, it was raining, springtime. And there had been a series of thieves going to car lots, stealing brand new cars, especially Ford F-150 Eddie Bauer edition pickup trucks. So we're rolling an old Crown Vic, and we see, guess what? Two Ford F-150 pickup trucks, Eddie Bauer edition. They still had all the stuff on the side window. And they saw us, and we saw them, and they took off. And we lit them up, and the chase was on. So one headed to the freeway. The other one took a hard left to go back deep into the neighborhood. The trooper decided to take a hard left to pursue the one that was going into the neighborhood. Well, we lost control. Oh, back end of the Crown Vic came out, and I felt boom, boom. The front tire and the right, right tire on the passenger side just blew out. Boom, boom. And uh, we thought this is going to be a good one. We could give them a run for the money, but it was a double blowout, bent the rims. Well, later that evening, the trooper said to me, he said, Chaplain, I need to talk to you because something affected me tonight on that pursuit. And I know it in an adversely way, in an adverse way. And I said, well, do you mind sharing with me? He said, because I didn't have certainty of, my, of where I was going to spend eternity. I was afraid that we would die and I would go someplace and it's not called heaven. And I said, would you like to take care of that? He said, absolutely. Absolutely, chaplain. And I had the opportunity to pray a beautiful prayer with him and then be a part of his discipleship, his journey. And then some months later, we're in another pursuit. And we're riding three deep on the freeway. Three deep means trooper was driving. This other trooper was shotgun operating the radio. And I was in the back seat. I mean, it was in the back seat like a roller coaster. Out of control, all the way. Cedar Point, millennial, maxed out. And the Detroit Police Department was calling for help. We need help, MSP, can you help us? And so I looked over, and we were hitting 120 in that Crown Vic. And something happened, and the back end came out, and we're sliding into a large wall. And I'm like, I like, Lord, forgive me of every sin I've ever committed in word, thought, deed, action, attitude, and conduct. Lord, I'm coming home if it's your will, but I pray that you spare our lives in Jesus' name. And I mean, right as we were about to do a power slide into that wall, boom, it popped back. And I was one happy believer. And I, I'm telling you, the Lord was good. <laughs> and so I asked the trooper when it was all said and done, you know, the one that had been in the crash some months ago, and he, now he was shotgun. I said, hey, what do you feel as we were about to go into that wall at 120? He said, chaplain, I felt arms of liquid love enveloping me. Whatever you're facing in life, if you say yes to the promises of God, say yes. It's like those arms of Billy Graham to his daughter, welcome home. It's like liquid love taking care of you, whatever it may be. So as we close, we need to know his promises. We need to understand his promises. And we need to pursue his promises. Why? Because God loves you. God loves forgives you when you ask.
Not only does he love you, not only does he forgive you, but he declares you as righteous through Jesus Christ, just as though you never sinned. And then he desires to use you. Let's bow our heads this morning. And if you've never experienced this relationship, not religion, but a relationship, not just knowing about, not just knowing of, but knowing him, if that's never been a reality in your life, I'm going to lead us in a short prayer without coercion, without manipulation. Because God loves you. And if this is for you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and dying for me and being raised from the grave for me. I confess with my mouth, you are Lord. I believe in my heart. You were raised from the dead. With my mouth, I confess I'm now saved. With my heart, I believe I'm righteous. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah.